Welcome to the Happy Mindset, episode 165. Today's episode is called The Code Institute. Today I'm joined by Jane Gormley. Jane is the Director of Employer Engagement at The Code Institute. The Code Institute is an online coding bootcamp. So for people who are looking to make a transition in their career, The Code Institute is, I think of it like as a hybrid approach to self-learning. So if you're somebody who is self-motivated but you also need that extra bit of accountability and structure then something like the code institute could be a good fit for you it's an online coding bootcamp. you can learn to become a full stack web developer in one of their courses so on today's episode i talked to jane about the supports that are in place there the type of learners that work well uh, in the program what type of learners make good programmers that that's what we generally talk about today and i suppose the benefits of going to a place like the code institute an online coding bootcamp. what are the extra resources that they have that you wouldn't get from just being navigating the journey yourself online as a self-learner so enjoy enjoy talking to jane she seems to have a passion for what she's doing and yeah i hope you enjoy today's episode and thanks again for listening Okay, so thanks for joining us today, Jane. Thanks, Dennis. Lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. <laughs> so, yeah, I, just, I suppose to start off with, could you just maybe tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you're doing today? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so I'm Jane, Jane Gormley, and I'm um, I'm part of the team in Code Institute, which is an, an online coding um tech business and we're based here in Ireland but we operate globally um so look I suppose essentially what what I do within it is to help people transfer their skills into a new coding career um and I'm all focused on the career coaching and the recruitment side of it um but as a business um what we're teaching is full stack development so we're uh, um we sit on the European framework and we deliver an online 600 hour Bootcamp, which can help people who have never coded before um, sort of realize a, a harder dream of working as a software developer. Good stuff. So, mm. like the people who are taking the course, what sort of backgrounds and age ranges are you seeing on the course? Oh, gosh, it's really, it's really diverse. So, I guess as a starting point, if you're under 18, I'm afraid you can't. You have to wait until you're over 18. So, that's the starting point. Um, and we obviously do have people in that age group, but um, predominantly we're probably looking at people um, between the ages of about 25 to 45. Um, and we have had some much older than that. You know, I've, I've, we, I have uh, very recent memories of celebrating and um, congratulating somebody on their 62nd birthday and they were working in their first role as a software developer. So, there don't seem to be too many limits on it. Um, but basically, like that's the typically what we're looking at are people who have, you know, maybe worked for a few years, have started off in an industry um, for one reason or another, either because they've never tried it or just the, you know, the opportunity didn't present itself maybe when they were going through school with the different subjects or in if they were in third level, maybe they for various reasons didn't do a STEM degree. Um, and have a few years in industry and have decided to to switch so it's mainly career switchers um so gosh like when you think of the backgrounds like we have people who are pilots people who are professional musicians technicians actors um 
you name it, childcare workers, chefs. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a huge, huge, huge array of profiles coming through. And what are some of the, I suppose, misperceptions that people who've taken the course might have had before they took the course about what coding yeah. is and what it actually turned oh, out okay. to be? Yeah, so um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that you have to be amazing at maths. I think we all still live, um, well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us think that particularly if we haven't had any exposure to to coding and software development, that it just sounds so complicated um, and it's sort of out of reach if you haven't had an early stage, you know, near genius experience with math- mathematical algorithms. <laughs> So I think maybe that's one of the the biggest misconceptions. Um, Coming very close after that is, you know, the the catch up piece, you know, imagining how quickly might you absorb, you know, very technical content. Um, So we could be talking to somebody about realizing um, a goal of, you know, being, for example, a chef today. But in, you know, 12 to 18 months, they could be working as a software developer in the tech business. And that just sounds like a giant leap. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not an easy leap by any stretch of the imagination, but it is doable. Um, So I think that's probably the second one, you know, imagining yourself doing something um, and actually going for it. That's the hard step, I think. Yeah, it is a big leap. What sort of transferable skills are you seeing are useful like from somebody transitioning from a career to coding, like for example, I suppose somebody who well, analytical mind is quite broad, but uh, yeah, I feel with coding, analytical mind helps. And I suppose that the character trait would be somebody who'll persist at something and mm-hmm. who's got the patience to break something down into smaller steps, to stick with it and to listen. Mm-hmm. I think communication is actually a big part of coding, but what, what's been your impression yeah. of the transferable skills you've seen from students? Yeah, they'd be similar. So there's probably there's probably two main sections. So if we look at trying to find clues for somebody who may have, you know, these technical abilities, but they've never exercised them, you know, they exactly. well, in their view, they wouldn't have. Yeah, so um, we're talking about you know, people with really deep curiosities who love puzzles, who like quizzes who like to solve things who you know get a a a very obvious pleasure out of um fixing something or looking at something they don't know how to do and realizing that there's a way to do it so you know in in general lifestyles outside of working as a programmer you know you would these would be evidenced by hobbies and interests and things that you would gravitate towards so um we would usually see patterns like that Um, then in terms of sort of habitual ways of approaching things um a certain level of consistency in in sticking with something even when it's hard sometimes <laughs> um mm-hmm. i mean that's a character trait that will get you through a lot not just coding but, yeah. um but yeah like you know when you when you see a problem it might be very obviously easy to solve about halfway through, you know to about half halfway point and then it gets very complex and you may have to kind of unravel it and start again and but but re- repeatedly doing that so I suppose when you when you have a little bit of evidence that people have done that in their lives um and then in terms of you know just straightforward getting hired when you've once you've acquired these skills there's loads of softer skills Dennis that are so important when it comes to the recruitment bit or working within an engineering team 
or working within any company. Um, so, you know, being able to articulate, articulate yourself quite well um, or to be able to be taught how to do that if it doesn't come naturally. Um, and listening skills are something I think that gets underrated very mm-hmm. often. You know, communication skills sometimes are assumed to be all about talking, um, but very often it's about listening. Um, because you, you end and, up building the wrong thing yeah. if you don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm You mightn't get very far. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said something else. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah like I mean just those you know just like in any other job there are certain skills that you must have but there are behaviors that you must bring in order to do that successfully those behaviors are still looked for in in, in a software development role um so I suppose that kind of that would kind of cover it off quite nicely that's a good description I think they'd be overlooked there I do think it's somebody who's into problem solving and gets a I often find it's like there's there's frustration in the solving of the problem, but then there's such a, a release afterwards when you actually solve it that it's worth putting yourself through that. There's a certain type of person who enjoys that, I think, and somebody other people don't enjoy that so much. Definitely. People, some people will avoid it like the plague, and some people will embrace it. And yeah. if if you're one of the people who embraces it, you should kind of see maybe you'll be able to apply it in this kind of a kind of a discipline. Yeah. So what would you say are the I suppose the pros and cons to doing like a traditional computer yeah. science degree versus a, a boot camp like Code Institute. Boot camp, yeah, okay. So, um, I suppose I never like to kind of position them as you know against one another. Also, I don't want like I just want to be really clear on that. You know, there are two really different ways of of learning. First of all, so um, I suppose the number one thing that I would say is the the flexibility that you know our way of learning provides is a real enabler for people who are um, transitioning from one career to another. Like this is a huge, huge, huge factor of why we're here and why we do it this way. Um, And like really basically and really like practically what I mean by that is that a four-year degree in any discipline is a, you know, it's a huge time investment. Um, For the majority of people, including myself, there's a, a short portion of your life where you have let's face it, but I suppose the luxury of having four years to, you know, be sort of relatively free of <laughs> commitments and responsibilities and just embrace studying something. Um, but I think it's, a, a, you know, totally unrealistic um, in the, the age that we live in to think that if you haven't done those four years at a very particular point in your life, that this career isn't open to you or that any career like it isn't. So the flexibility there is one really big thing. Um, and the speed, you know, that the speed requiring a certain amount of skills that will have you job ready is obviously a, a huge practical attribute. Um, and then I suppose taking those elements apart, um, there are ways that different people learn and, um, what, what our program is positioned very, very differently is the method of learning, the methodologies of learning. Um, it's, you know, you'll be coding from your, your first day with us. We consider you a coder um, the first day that your program begins um, and you're building projects. You know, there are no exams. This isn't theoretical. It's, re- it's exceptionally challenging. It's not easier than, <laughs> than it, you know, a, a more traditional way of learning, but it's very different. Like it's very practical. It's very hands-on. There's no studying. You must produce, produce, produce. Um, and so I would see it as a way to acquire skills um, and to apply them in a, you know, in a professional environment. 
Um, and then after that, it's lifelong learning. You know, there are other ways that you will, you certainly won't stop when you finish with us and, you know, land at a desk in a team and never learn anymore. You will continue learning your whole way through. But they would be the, I suppose, the, the core differences. Um, you could talk about this for hours, but I, I think mm. if I was just trying to summarise as quickly as possible, that would be the, the main difference of speed, access um, and job readiness. I like how you didn't position it against each other. I do think it's dependent on context, like what age you are at your life yeah. and what are your objectives. Yeah. And because there are things, I've never done a computer science degree, but I, I could see the the benefit to knowing a bit more of the theory, a bit more of why things work. And and that's mm. good for one path, but then for another path where you just want to get job ready, focus on the skills, and then you can understand why things work as you move along in your career. This would be another option there with the coding bootcamp, I think. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But one thing I want to come back to as well, you mentioned that, that they see themselves as a coder at the start. Was that like an intentional mm. thing? Yes, yeah. very much so. So, yeah, um, and it's to acquire, you know, first and foremost, you're, you're acquiring skills um, to be able to code, obviously. Um, but there's also behaviors that, you know, there's, there's ways of learning, there's, um, approaches and a sense of responsibility about producing codes that it, you know you need time to get used to and um and our business has been kind of structured well our business are you know the, the way that we teach has been structured to be quite similar to like a modern SaaS environment um you know we use slack as our collaboration tool where you know the in terms of teamwork and and, and the production of work it should feel like your first day as a coder so that when you when you get out, it's not just that you've been sort of isolated and learning how to code, that you've been having to use different tools that are available, different people that are available, and to do so in a way that is there's a process to. Um, so that's why like it's not day one that you start learning lots of theory. Um, and I know theory is important, and I'm not trying to <laughs> not trying to suggest that you know all of this really yeah. important stuff that people learn in degrees is not important. It, of course, it is. And, um, but you know, like we would definitely be of a very kind of modern approach of lifelong learning. Like we would be readily encouraging people if they want to be a coder that they should be curious. They should want to know more all the time. They should be looking at you know different developments, different languages, different frameworks the whole way through their career. Um, so it shouldn't stop when when you finish a diploma. You know, this is meant to be your your, your, your toolkit to get you started. Um, but yeah, from day one, this is about making people feel like others. Yeah, I think you have to be like a lifelong learner to be a yeah. programmer. I think that's probably another character trait that might indicate that coding could be a potential career path because there are people like yeah. that who just love learning and uh, are lifelong learners already. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And particularly because it moves so fast. It, you know, like it's, it, it with, with the amount of advances being made, you know, the, the industry needs people who are, you know, curious, interested enough and committed enough to, to love that sort of situation where there's always going to be something new. So, um, you know, you can get really specialized in certain areas naturally and your, your knowledge grows and it all remains, it's all connected. But to know that you're not going to sit still would be, um would make this industry really attractive yeah the, the mm -hmm. other thing there was uh i know as part of the boot camp you're developing on a portfolio which i feel is vital mm -hmm. when you're going to a potential employer just to see they'll ask you that anyway what yeah. have you created what are the practical skills you actually have 
Yeah. So on the course, is it individual projects they're working on and then they're collaborating among each other kind of just gets insights into how to progress with their project or is there any group projects? Um, there, no, so in terms of, so I'll just divide the two. So there, there are, um, there are key milestone projects um, and we're, we're currently moving from a, a four milestone project and we've just moved into a five milestone project. So very new students with us um, are now working on a five project model and they're res responsible for those works and they're graded as individuals. So the, the, the projects that contribute towards their five milestones are their own work. So they're not collaboration products, um, but separately in order to, to, you know to, to kind of as you move through the program there's a number of team events that go on but they're they're not necessarily contributing towards your your, your own individual mark um and they're run in the form of hackathons so you do get a lot of exposure around working with you know with, with teams um but then separately the structure as you're moving through is that you have choosers as support um but you're also assigned an industry mentor so that the whole way through the program you have an industry mentor who is is a software developer working in a business and is, um, you know, aligned to a code institute, but isn't a coder for us, you know, they're an industry professional and they will be collaborating with you um, and giving you kind of, kind of feedback and advice in your project, you know, to say, look, this idea is crazy or this idea is subpar to what is, would be expected in industry or you're on the way, but here's what you should tweak. So they don't do the work for you. They don't give you the answers, but they will be there as an industry kind of standard, giving you feedback on, you know, how that work would look in the real world. Um, so you get very, very live feedback on it, but you're building it yourself. Okay, so they're they're guiding you, yeah. some guides on the, on, yeah. on the journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about, I know, how about the soft side of skill, soft side of things also when it comes to job hunting and, resumes yeah. what's codes in the code institute's approach yeah. to that okay so um so it's actually so the to, just to give it in some context there are kind of five main pillars of support when you're moving through these um three of which are really directly associated with your projects and your you know your, your actual diploma and then the other two are community and careers um all of which start from day one so we're of definitely a very strong opinion that you know for people particularly given the, the kind of profiles that I talked to you about earlier you know we don't assume anyone knows anything about the world of tech before they come in and you know they're really trusting that this journey is going to teach them a lot more than well, not a lot more than just the coding skills but that will help them in their transition in their careers so we do uh, I suppose that the the most obvious ways that we do it really regularly um are that we have weekly live events that are all careers focused sorry excuse me and we have a series of um, masterclasses. So there's a series of eight masterclasses, which are completely focused, Dennis, on just the fundamentals of recruitment. So we assume you're going to need loads of help with your CV um, because it needs to look like a technical CV. You might have, you know, a brilliant background with 15 years as a pilot, but you'd be really confused about how to present that now for a job as a, you know, in a, in a dev team. Um, and then similarly, like how to, how to, to manage your online profile, how to utilize LinkedIn really well and effectively, and um, how to write a really good cover letter because this is how you're going to talk about yourself and, you know, companies want to know more about the person they're hiring. And um, so all of those kind of things will happen in the masterclasses. And then we have hiring partners, so we're really close to industry and a lot of organizations will, will work with us. Um, and like, and work in partnership with us in being able to, 
to easily access the, the pool of coders that are there and that might be job hunting soon. Um, and they come too. Um, so we, we could all have an hour together on an afternoon and they will be talking about, you know, bringing people from their engineering team to talk about what life in the company or the team is like. Their recruiter is to tell you about the process and both applying and actually interviewing is going to look like. Um, so, the, you know, that becomes really important later when you're, um, you know, when you're ready to, to, I don't know, press the green button on your job search and, and really go for it. Um, but it's just as important to use it earlier so that you're getting really comfortable with it. You know, you're comfortable talking to a recruiter, you're comfortable listening to what they say. Um, and the bottom line is that it just, not only does it prepare you on a practical basis, but it gives you loads of confidence because you get to hear lovely things about how the technical piece is obviously massively important, but there are other things that they look for too. And, you know, you'd be more comfortable with how you can explain your story when you've heard more and more people from the industry be really welcoming about, you know, the kind of journey that you're on. So that's a big deal. Um, and then we do one-to-one -one consultations at different points along the, the course and review your documents and just make sure that on a one-to-one -one basis you're getting good advice. Um, but then it's over to you to take it. You know, we can't, we can't force anyone to do things the way we would guide them to, but like the aids are there. Um, so yeah, but, you know, what's brilliant to see is if people are using it from early stages, just how kind of at ease they are when it comes to going to recruit rather than being really nervous about it. Yeah. What are the, the soft skills that industry seems to be looking for in potential candidates? Yeah. Um, the number one is, you know, how you manage your communication. Um, that just is bottom line, one of the most important things. So how you, you know, um, how you talk to people at an interview, how you are able to articulate yourself and your perspectives and your your methods and your approaches to people, how well you know yourself becomes very evident if at an interview. Um, and you can prepare for these things. Like you don't have to be, you know, <laughs> having done this for years and years and years, but really surprisingly, sometimes the basics just get totally overlooked because people rush into an interview and have, have done loads of research on the company perhaps, but haven't actually practiced talking about themselves. So they get asked these questions in an interview and they don't know what to say. Um, so things like that are important. Um, look at how you respond to a challenge in a, in a workplace. And some of these terms sound really cliched, but, you know, companies don't run like clockwork. They run well when people in there um, respond well to, you know, to new challenges or to, you know, to new projects or to issues that need to be solved. Like they're the interesting teams, right? They're the interesting companies that are doing these stuff where, where we all like to be. Um, but being comfortable in an environment like that is something good to talk about, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the front line of something going wrong in a business or trying out something new that you embrace it and manage it and are realistic. Um, and again, that you can communicate when you're out of your depth so that everybody knows when you're going to need some help and everybody knows when you have it in order. Um, so that's like, they all tie in quite well together. Um, more recently, because so many people are working remotely, um, sort of how you engage with people online is a really um, interesting one, actually. Because, um, you know, being in a room and observing body language and behaviours that are sort of the rhythm of the team um, are different when people are just talking on chat forums and um, 
emailing and booking meetings. So yeah, being able to manage those kind of conversations as well is is something that's become more more to the front line, I guess, in the last kind of year. Is there any way you can work on that? Because I know mm-hmm. with the chat, some of yeah. it comes down to uh, you can <laughs> assume intent or assume emotion in there that right. isn't actually there because you don't see yes. the body language or the expression, the way it's communicated. Is, have you any yeah. pointers around how to navigate yeah, that? Yeah, like just being really mindful of um, how something can come across as being very abrasive when you might just be trying to be efficient um, but it can really be misinterpreted. Like um, there are so many examples that sound innocuous when you try and repeat them, but um, I suppose a lot of it, it comes down to basic manners um, and, you know, not being too choppy and speedy and demanding and being aware that other people have a lot of priorities, booking time instead of demanding it. Um, the, the timing of emails, the timing of messages, you know, being sort of, um, I suppose, thoughtful in making sure that you give people enough time. Like the, we've all heard stories of people getting messages at, you know, quarter to five on a Friday and then a follow up at half eight on a Monday morning wondering, is it done? Or, yeah. um, you know, silly stuff, the overuse of emojis. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, uh, there are a few, but, um, but, you know, kind of really just being organized and thinking ahead a bit kind of avoid a lot of this. Um, so that you can build good relations with people and be mindful of, you know, the part of their jobs that you have no involvement in and therefore don't realize what kind of pressures they might be under. Um, so I suppose it's just a matter of awareness. Yeah, that's, that's good, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does help to try and think about other aspects of their job that you mightn't even see to realize that they might yeah. have a lot more work on their plate than you think they do. Yeah. It's important in businesses between teams and communication definitely and that's what it comes down to yeah and the thing with code institute too it's a university accredited uh mm-hmm. could you just explain yeah. about that and where you could actually find the course because i know it's in some colleges as well isn't it well it's in loads actually now so I'll, yeah. I'll have to try and get you a comprehensive list over so yeah we're we're university accredited which means that our diploma sits on the european educational framework um now the educational framework uh, like the the levels of it um they vary a bit in different countries so if anyone's curious about that just to maybe just check it like in in scotland it's a level eight um that's equivalent to level five and the european qualifications framework and it's level five in the uk in england um but level six in ireland so it's just a little small thing I always try and mention in case people think it's that means it's exactly the same everywhere it varies um so yeah we're the only bootcamp that in Europe that are accredited with a university um and basically obviously you know I suppose that's a very complex process it means that our um you know our curriculum and what it is that we're teaching um sits on a very formal educational framework so the standards are recognized um and that is it is, um, I suppose, it, when I say it's important, it's important for people to have confidence in knowing that, um, you know, that this can be related in, in, in different jurisdictions and understood to be a very formal way of learning as well as a flexible way of learning. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what that means. Yeah, I did, I did find as like a self-learner that 
when I was looking at different options and stuff, one thing that would have come to mind for me is that will the employer know the thing I've done? Will they actually be familiar with it? Because I think that's uh, that can kind of add weight to your experiences, I guess, when it's something that's well known. Sorry, Dennis, someone just right? touched the room. Can you give me one second? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Sorry, one second. I'm going to start recording. It was just that uh, I think it's important for like employers to be some way familiar with your qualification, especially for investing some money in a boot camp. That uh, I guess my question yeah. is like, how confident would somebody be going to employers? Well, obviously, it's dependent yeah. on the employer that they would recognize Code Institute as a place that they've uh, acquired the skills needed for the, the job. Yeah. So in it, like in an interview, it definitely does give, and in an application process, it gives a lot of weight, you know, and, you know, a lot of that is around familiarity um, in the same way that, it, you know, people instinctively understand what the commitment of a degree is um, when it comes to a diploma, people can put it in context and they mm. know that there's, you know, a, a kind of a standardized level of work that is going to have going to have been achieved. So it definitely gives a lot of confidence. It also gives a formality, um, which I think gives people a lot of assurances that they've attained it and they've earned it. And, um, you know, the, the commitment is also kind of demonstrated in it also. So it's becoming increasingly so, gosh, because apart from anything else, that they just the, the complete shortage of people with these skills trying to you know trying to be absorbed by the industry um it makes you a little bit easier to find as well if you've gone through kind of formal tunnels where they can locate you um and that's something that we've seen a lot more of as well is the the sort of the the growing confidence in alternative kind of non-traditional method learning methodologies as people move towards industry yeah i think there's more of an acceptance like obviously it depends on the skill like you couldn't be a doctor by attending a boot camp but like with things like <laughs> digital skills i think there's more flexibility around it i think it also boils down to the fact that technology changes very quickly and sometimes what you learned at university become redundant quite quickly like if you started learning a language that four years later wasn't really that popular anymore or a framework mm. or, and uh yeah 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 like i would i'd agree with that like there are um like it, there is still definitely like a, a period of transition that we're going through and I know that I, I certainly would never want to suggest that because what we're doing is new it, it you know it means that other ways of traditionally having done this are, are less yeah, important new isn't always better. I'd hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just new it's something the, different <laughs> but there's you know there are huge practicalities here and you know yeah. apart from the, the speed of getting from being a non-coder to being you know employed somewhere as a developer just the the industry the growth the opportunities that are there like universities can't provide the amount of numbers because there simply aren't enough universities you know the speed of getting people through and out of industry the numbers are miles away from each other i mean we're talking about 250 million new roles in the next five years on a global basis like it's just staggering and um, most of them will probably go unfilled because there won't be enough people who can do these jobs yet um, and it's constantly changing so there's definitely um 
it's just a much more modern approach to the fact that people can learn some now and get started as a junior and learn more and become senior and learn more again and you know become a manager and you know that this doesn't have to all happen in one chunk at the beginning of your career um it can happen over time and you can work while it's happening and I think that there's certainly some minds that are you know within businesses that are really committed to this and really aware of this and see the opportunity in it and the the fairness in it as well I think you know that's a that's a big part of this um and others are a little bit behind (laughs) um and um it, you know, still would have very traditional roots into their roles, but you know, it's just it's a it's it's a changing playing field at the moment, and there's there's a lot to there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, I think in some in some ways though, you you have to think a little untraditionally to be a coder yeah. solving difficult problems. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and I think somebody going doing a boot camp or self learner, there's also an element of self-motivation there that would have to go into that I think outside the box yeah. a little see your options like you're saying there's some people a lot of people there in the course are transitioning so that means they're in a job and they're also studying on mm-hmm. the side then which shows a level level of dedication there to uh to doing something new and to sticking oh, to yeah. it oh yeah so that's a, a huge it. part of it the commitment is amazing I mean I really 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 admire everyone that I see coming through the program because you know, we have one-to-one consultations with them. So you get to hear the real individual stories behind it. And just that word that you said, the commitment, you know, it's, it's definitely not an easy thing at any point in your life to add in, you know, this extra kind of 15-hour commitment, which is roughly what most people are doing, Dennis. Like it's a 600-hour course. You have to have it done within 12 months. So if you chose the 12-month option, you're talking about a weekly commit- commitment of about 12 to 15 hours. And that's a lot, mm. you know, between... You know, whether you do or don't have a job, um, you do have a life and you do have family and you do have commitments. And if you also have another kind of 40 to 50 hours of work to fit in, that's a, a serious accomplishment. Um, and it's it's a really challenging program. You know, you know, you've you've done something similar. You've absorbed these skills. Um, it's not easy and it's a lot of hassle. <laughs> there are easier ways to, you know, to, to spend your time over that year. But it's the result you know, there's there's nothing that can match that the, the feeling of having earned it. Yeah, I think I think with programming, the beauty of it, and I suppose the difficulty of it, there's no getting around actually doing the work to get to a certain standard to get that first opportunity, and to also stay in that first opportunity because sometimes you might get the first job but not actually stay in the job, but actually yeah. be able to swim. But uh, <laughs> I found well, I suppose my pattern was a little bit different, different, but it's the self doubt can be crippling too, like when you're yeah. taking an unconventional route and you have to still put in a lot of the work, but then you also don't have anything to fall back on. You can't say you can't, you haven't got a degree in computer science to get yeah. you in the door. And then you're kind of doubting yourself. Am I, and the imposter syndrome again is a thing that oh, crops up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's a hard one to balance because it's like we were talking before the call. There's like a Dunning-Kruger effect also where you can be overconfident because you don't know what you don't know. Uh, so it's finding that balance there yeah. between not feeling like an imposter, but also not being a, like somebody who's overconfident in what they know. Yes, like you're right, the, the, the getting the balance right. And this is where I think that, um, you know, the, the having some support, having someone to, you know, book in a call with, having someone to talk to about this who has seen, you know, people do the same thing as you was obviously hugely beneficial. Um, and that's what I really like, you know, this is what I really like with the webinars because I think that 
to tech as well can be a bit intimidating from the outside looking in. You know, it, it can look um, like a big bubble of, you know, amazing intellectual, <laughs> creative, advanced minds. Um, and, you know, just trying to work out where do you start if you're not in that really traditional route of going into like college, or university, and then a grad program. And, you know, the, the path, I'm not suggesting that that makes it easy, but the pathways are well-trodden um, and it's, you kind of know what to do. So when they're not, you're kind of going it alone. Um, and that's a really hard thing to do in any in any situation but I really enjoy like my favorite moment of the week is always the the webinars the student webinars we do like the career webinars there's loads of different events that go on but like I love it when you have employers coming in from lovely big brands who would be well known and lots of people just wouldn't know how to imagine themselves being in there and they come in and they're just really sound you know they're really friendly really nice speak really normally make it really accessible and yeah. that doesn't mean they're going to hire everybody that's there or it doesn't mean that everybody that's there was going to want to work for them but it does mean that they all go away feeling that's possible you know i can potentially do that um and i think that that just makes a big difference when you walk into an interview room as well yeah making a human i think that is a yeah a key component is interacting with somebody on a human level and even an interview because they need to at the end of yeah. the day they're, they're going to have to work with you for however long mm -hmm. they're hiring you so they need to yeah. want to work with you uh, yeah <laughs> and they need often, to be able to yeah <laughs> yeah that often i definitely overlooked that in university university kind of felt like i always kind of assumed in university that the brightest people will get the best jobs and in some yeah. level it kind of perplexed me why isn't that happening And I started yeah. realizing that it's people who are in the workforce, it's people who hire people. And uh, mm -hmm. that was the missing piece. Yeah, I know. But it can take a while for it for the penny to drop, right? It, yeah, no, it takes a long time. Yeah. Or it takes yeah. a while. Isn't it? I like another <laughs> thing is, is it, I suppose, is accepting imperfection. Mm -hmm. Like accepting that you're going to do things wrong, you're going to learn through failure. And then I suppose it's being okay with failing, but then also learning from the failure. I found yeah. this in those types of attitudes and mindsets that were probably the most challenging in the real world that I had no real experience in an academic setting around academic setting yeah. felt like failure. It felt very binary in the academic setting of you either did it right, you did it wrong. And then a lot of it was tied up in my own self-worth, but I found in the real world, if you can kind of detach your technical skills mm -hmm. from your sense of self-worth, it helps a lot yeah. when it becomes more objective then in, in how you're doing things. You know, you're, it's a really nice way of articulating it that you just that you just use there. And it, it's funny because one of the most important things that people don't do in an interview is just really simply say, I don't know. Sometimes, yeah. you know, we they, I'm probably for the exact same kind of um, embedded assumptions that that you were just explaining there that you think if you say, oh, I don't know that that means, oh, I You failed. I've, I have now flunked the interview. Um, <laughs> and so often it's just not the case. You know, it is so important to be able to say, you know, to articulate where you know your kind of limits are. Um, and saying, I don't know, and then demonstrating what you might do to find out is a way better answer than sort of trying to, you know, trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes and ramble on incoherently about something that's really not what they asked anyway. Um, yeah. Takes a while yeah. for that to, to come in. I, like, I, I, did, did, I suppose after years of conditioning of the opposite way around, it takes a while to kind of overcome that initial impulse to bluff 
or to, yeah. you know, to get over <laughs> that. Like, I'm going to fail if yeah. I don't have the right answer. Because actually in the real yeah. world, what, ha- what, what I feel happens is that if you're just honest about something, it'll actually help the business because they'll spend less time with cover-ups that make the problem worse. So if you're just honest yeah. about, like, I did this and it, it went wrong. Um, yeah. It's a tough thing to get into the habit of doing that, but it actually will help the business a lot in the long term. Uh, Dennis, you couldn't say a true word. It's it's because most things are are manageable. Yeah, you know, you're, are, you're yeah. not going to blow up the universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most things are manageable, but they take way longer if you don't have the facts of the situation. And nearly every technical hiring manager that we you know that I've ever spoken to would say that. You know, yeah. uh, there's always going to be roles that sometimes the fact that you don't know it means that you're just not the right hire. So, but it doesn't mean that you've done the interview. It just means it's not a match. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, and it's your reputation as well. It's all of those things and your learning process. So the biggest thing I kind of learned with computers and programming is that oftentimes, like, for example, if you deleted something from a, from a, something from a database, there's often a backup. There's not all the time. Yeah. There's often a backup there that will save your ass if you did do something wrong. Like, you don't yeah. really think about these security measures that are in place for mistakes, human error like that. Mm-hmm. It's always human error in, in different things. So the safety measures that take into account human error, like we're not robots that never make a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's an expectation there will be mistakes and there will yeah. always be mistakes. Um, otherwise, there wouldn't be a huge amount of point in what we spend most of our time doing because, you know, everything will be perfect already. Yeah, everything will figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're talking about uh, bringing in your own personal story, I suppose, Mike, what I'd be curious about is why the Code Institute for you? What 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 drew you to yeah. working for the Code Institute? Um, you know, it was funny. I first came across the Code Institute at, at really, 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 really early days. Like I was a recruiter and um, I knew some of the people who were involved in setting it up. I knew them as clients. And um, I remember when I first heard the, the idea for it because they had to explain to me what this business was going to do and what kind of people they wanted me to hire into it. And I just loved the idea. I, you know, I remember thinking, God, it's that this is about six years ago. Then I thought, God, oh, that's incredibly exciting. You know, what a business. Let's kind of curious to see how it grows. And then I did grow over years. And you know, everyone that I kind of met that was in there, I just really liked and I admired them and the energy seemed great. And you know, it was certainly um developing its own little cool ecosystem of very different but very kind of creative, focused, fun people. Um, So then just the timing was right. I suppose timing in life is loads of things. Um, I've been a really long time in my previous job and I I really enjoyed it too. But, um, you know, this was a very new offering. You know, it was a very new and unusual type of role that you could have in recruitment. Um, And also the growth, you know, the industry is growing so much. So it's really good fun to be at the center of that and see. I suppose that's the main thing, but really, like then when I got in, one of the things that just struck me so much was that every single department. So you have your, you know, you have your marketing team, you have your finance team, you have your leadership team, you have your um, program team, and your product team, and your engineering team. But every single conversation always just comes back to the impact that this has on a learner and the impact that this has on industry, and you know, the the kind of chit chat internally is usually centered around, you know, deadly stories of, you know, students that have become known to us really well through their journey and hearing about them 
you know, their successes or hearing about them overcoming different things. And that may sound really cheesy, but it's really like, it's really true. So it's, it's nice having a job that has a very human impact on people that you get to be involved with during their time with you. I think that's pretty cool. I get that. Yeah. Like empowering a sense of empowerment from it. Yeah. I mean, like just a sense of it being really nice, you know, it's really, really, really nice to work in, um, like it's a very sophisticated, um, in terms of the technologies that we use, but they're all designed that way so that we can intervene with very human engagements with people. And, um, you know, when, when that's going really well and when you see people getting the outcome that they want and feeling like in some little way you contributed to it um, or you were a part of it, you know, they do it themselves. It's a massive thing to do. Um, but that, you know, the, the infrastructure there sort of facilitated it to a certain extent and really great things happened. Like I, I like that. I've always loved recruitment. I like it's a really human industry. You see wonderful things happening. Um, yeah, I've always really enjoyed recruitment. So this was just a, a kind of a way to do it on a really big scale. Mm. And that, you mentioned the energy you picked up in the energy of the company. Is that something that yeah has always been important for you? The place you work. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, and the <laughs> the um, like the agency that I worked in for a long time before the like they were and still are obviously um a really great group of people and you had a lot of fun and work there was a lot of enthusiasm for what people were doing people enjoyed their jobs like um and so it's sad like sometimes I hear people who are changing jobs and they just say like I just can't get ready to get out of here it's toxic or you know my boss is driving me mad or this and you know it just doesn't have to be like that so if you're ever in a situation at work we all have hard times in work it's always busy times but they shouldn't be bad um so yeah that would definitely be something that i would see as being a number one priority when you're working with people would you uh no yeah that's important i well i suppose that's why i created this podcast and i've created what i'm doing here to get a sense of what I'm about, what the energy I want to put out into the world is. So for me, it's the yeah. first bit of the discovery process of what is that energy that I want to put out. And then over time, I get a feel for whether people are, are similar to that. Like, like I would believe that that work isn't something that should be a chore. You should be finding work that's fulfilling. doesn't mean it's easy. Like it can be difficult, but it's like, uh, yeah. there's an objective to the difficulty. You can see your skill level progressing. You can see that this is actually worthwhile doing. Uh, so yeah, for me, the energy to it is important i suppose a self-taught programmer it's kind of getting your first opportunities just trying to get some opportunities to begin with and then getting a mm-hmm. sense of what you want here get, i suppose that's why you do the podcast to get clear on your value get clear on uh where do you want to head with this for me education has always been a big thing for me that's why i yeah. done the podcast and then trying to figure it out as i go along with the writing and the, po- and the coding where does this all fit together it's kind of that exploration mindset is difficult but i know if i just keep pursuing this long enough things will start to click in whatever way they're supposed to click Mm -hmm. that's a kind of long-winded answer but uh (laughs) i found for me anyway it wasn't a very i suppose i kind of felt like i was institutionalizing away from like just the education system focusing on a job and just theory that i didn't put a lot of thought into the human element the connection the energy Mm -hmm. the feeling level of life wasn't focused a lot it was more the intellect i focused on yeah yeah um, well you wouldn't be um first to you know well you, you wouldn't be the only person to have um assumed 
that, that they're, they're the most kind of tangible things in recruitment. You know, this is a mistake we see in recruitment all the time, that there are, you know, very, very measurable skills, you know, and if, if we talk about coding, you know, can you code in this language? What frameworks have you used? And how many years experience have you got? And that they obviously tell you a certain component about somebody, but they certainly don't give you a sense of the person. Um, yeah. And that's why it's still really hard for people to hire good people <laughs> because, you know, they have to be the right people. Um, and that may sound very obvious, but when you when you break it down, it's it's really hard to identify the softer skills in a measurable way that, you know, that, that tech can can match up really effectively. Um, and I do think tech can really help in recruitment for sure. But really where you see the, the kind of magic happening is in communities. You know, we're seeing much more closed communities because people are getting so fed up of being peppered with stuff that they're actually not right for or not interested for. So, um, yeah. yeah, companies spend a lot of time and thought and money on trying to keep a community close and trying to keep people who might be right for them at some point along their long life work journey um, to be able to, to be able to reach them and talk to them and communicate with them when they need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding your, finding your tribe, I guess. It's uh, yeah, just makes it a lot easier. I suppose people are on the same, similar wavelength, similar values, pointing in a similar direction. It's uh, yeah, I think that. that yeah. Helps. But I suppose the final question, <laughs> I suppose, uh, is uh, yeah. during the pandemic, I know a lot of people would have lost their jobs and they'd be thinking of upskilling. In terms of financial yeah. resources, is there any kind of grants or any type of like financial aid, somebody who might be listening to this conversation, very interested in what Code Institute yeah. does, but mightn't actually have the finances right now themselves to fund it? Is there any options? Yes. Yeah, there are lots of options, actually. Um, and I know that maybe your, people listening to this could be in a, a number of different locations. So I suppose the best way to centralize that is to go to our website um, and do the five-day coding challenge because that will just bring you in a, in, in a particular direction. But here in Ireland, like we are um, one of the Springboard accredited courses. So if you register with Springboard, you will get regular updates of um, a whole bunch of courses, but we're there. So you know, there'll be regular intakes. So that's a really, really obvious one for anyone in Ireland looking at it. Um, and then we also run different programs like with Kerry College and with Limer Clare and um, different education training boards in different regions of Ireland. So again, just jump on our site and, and see. But then the interesting thing as well, Dennis, if, if people are in Ireland, you can also put in requests. So this is something that those of us don't know. You can... Um, you can put in requests to your local training board if there's if there's something that you'd really like to do that they don't seem to have. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. And then in other jurisdictions, like in the UK and in Sweden and in Germany, there are there are multiple different systems there, but there's a lot of finance behind the scenes um, in in different ways that is state, you know, is state granted. So again, if a centralized way of finding out is to come to one of our admissions and just figure out the route from there is probably the simplest way to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. I say, yeah, just mm. go to your website and maybe contact you as well. Probably the, the quickest way, I guess. It probably would be. Yeah. yeah. And just, you know, just explain that from the outside because we, we have a whole team of educational advisors who will make sure that they're kind of filtering people onto the, the correct paths as they, as they speak to them. Yeah. Um, so that might be the best way to do that, depending on what jurisdiction you're in or the simplicity of it. If it's here in Ireland, everyone's familiar with springboard there's amazing courses on that and we have 
I, I work really closely with a, a huge number of people who are working through the course via springboard funding. So that would be a, a great way to start. Perfect. And then the, we do have finance options as well, you know, if that's something that somebody wants to yeah i think what i kind of learned in my life is that if you're so if you're if you've made a decision there's always a way forward to do that thing i think after that there's always a way to make yeah. it work if you're committed absolutely to it. yeah you're right um and there's loads of options of how to how, how to get onto this program and actually there's one actually do you know there's one dance I'll, I'll just mention really quickly um I can't remember the name, but there's one. We also do a program in conjunction with Zarsh as a recruitment agency, and it's for um, for refugees, so people who would, would be in Ireland and maybe haven't started working here yet. Um, there's a very specific program that gives a, a, a lot of investment in additional career supports as well, and that would obviously be free. And that there's still some applications opening, but the deadline is soon. So if you just Google Zarsh and Code Institute, you'll find the links oh, to that. Cool. Yeah. Oh, could you mention that uh, yeah yeah do you i suppose do you have any final words of advice mm-hmm. for somebody just thinking of following the path thinking of doing a computer, or just become a computer programmer or maybe do, do a code institute but just somebody who's kind of in two minds they're they're so curious about coding they don't know a lot about yeah. it do you have any advice for somebody like that yeah like firstly in terms of curiosity always explore it like it doesn't i don't mean always just sign up straight away but go and explore it if it's something that you are curious about and there will be tools online obviously i'm really familiar with our one which is a five-day coding challenge so for free you can go and figure out if you can just start coding from zero with a, a very little amount of kind of time or a complicated investment so go check it out and then decide um like don't avoid it if it's something on your mind and then i suppose what happens on the other side you know be prepared for a lot of work but also a really like a really exciting journey um you know it's it, tech is a really it's a very creative industry there's a lot of extremely warm friendly interesting people in it like it, it yeah. please don't go away and thinking that this is a really intimidating place to be it's it's not it's a really normal place to be um <laughs> really normal nice people there um so yeah um that i suppose that would be there's a lot of opportunity you know, just check it out, no matter what it is. I think people should always explore it and then make an informed decision of, of what happens next. But, you know, in two years' time, you could have a very different situation. Yeah, that's good. No, I don't, Short time, you know. What I have from coding, learned from coding, is that yeah, there's a lot of different types of people and a lot of interesting people in coding as well, people who are yeah. thoughtful, that they really think through things and, like... Uh, you can have good conversations with them. I think my perception of coding before I started doing it myself was just, I suppose, uh, I know it's, it's just in my head, there was like an antisocial person who was good with computers, yeah. not good with people. <laughs> I didn't, I probably picked up from the movies, all that kind of stuff. But when I'd met somebody who helped me to code, uh, that humanized it for me. And I realized this is a cool person uh, with other interests outside of coding. He's not just coding he's interested in. And I think there's a lot of people like that within the industry that you wouldn't, uh, necessarily know of if you're not willing to, to look at this thing yeah and you're right that's a really it's a really nice observation because um one really unique thing i think about the coders as a as a group of professional people or um is it, it's so community driven it is very unlike any other industry that, that i've ever been alongside um 
and it's a really generous you know involved fun kind of community like there is so much sharing of information um and i think that that's and resources and support you know so i think that that's a really unique part of you know what i see people having professional careers in coding that yeah. there's a really cool other side to the workplace as well yeah mm-hmm. that's it uh jane thanks for taking the Thank time to talk to us and tell us more about code yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's nice to stop and reflect sometimes on, on some of yeah. these things. Yeah, it was really good. So I hope it was helpful. No, it was very helpful. And uh, yeah, for anybody <laughs> who's interested in finding out more, I'll put a link in the show notes. So that's it. Cool. Thanks again for listening. Thanks, Mel. Until next time, have fun and enjoy the process. <laughs>